0: In today's episode, we will begin looking at Genesis chapter 35. This is another chapter that is the, the entire narrative is this. Uh, it does have a couple different parts, but really it is a standalone uh, chapter here, standalone narrative section. So all 29 verses, one section. And we're looking at the idea of Jacob, Israel, his family returning to Bethel. And you'll recall that as he was departing the land to spend the next 20 years with Laban and to see his family grow, take wives and all those other things, uh, that he has this encounter with God and he calls that place Bethel. And this is where he's going to, to come back to after all these years. Now, just as a reminder to set the stage as he came back into this uh, land, crossing the River Jabbok and Peniel there with the face of God, meeting Esau, one of the things that we have learned through the entire Jacob narrative is that he's really made his life and life for everybody around him a lot tougher, uh, especially for himself, than it ever needed to be. Here's a man who's going through the school of hard knocks, and so as we approach this chapter, we should be governed by this idea here that God wants his people to live for him according to his promise in a sin-cursed world. That is pretty self-explanatory. I mean, it's true for us. It's true for Jacob. But God does want us to live for him and to live according to his promises, even though we are surrounded by this world and all... Uh, all of its various aspects of depravity and fallenness we live in a sin cursed world and yet we are required we should live according to the promises that god has made for us so as we see this being fleshed out in jacob's life in verses 1 to 7 we see that god reminds his people of their relationship with him so let's take a moment and read the text Verse 1 of 35, we read this, God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel, and dwell there. Make an altar there to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household and to all who are with him, Put away the foreign gods that are among you, and purify yourselves, and change your garments. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel, so that I may make there an altar to the God who answers me in the day of my distress, and has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods that they had, and the rings that were in their ears. Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree that was near Shechem. And as they journeyed, a terror from God fell upon the cities that were around them, so that they did not pursue the sons of Jacob, And Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan, he and all the people who were with him. And there he built an altar and called the place El Bethel, because there God had revealed himself to him when he fled from his brother. All right, so God reminds his people of their relationship with him in these first seven verses. In verse one, we see that God directs his people through revelation. Revelation. Uh, This is a different type of revelation than what we're receiving today because we have closed canon and we don't have this type of revelation here uh, where God speaks audibly to us. But he does speak, this is a way of revelation in the Old Testament, and we do have God directing us through revelation today. So there's the application, because we have the word of God. But in Jacob's case, he speaks to him audibly and tells him and gives him this command, Arise, go up to Bethel, and dwell there, make there an altar uh, to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So he directs his people through revelation. Now, I will say that even though we preface this with the idea that we don't receive this kind of thing today, a lot of people long for it. And sometimes we wish that we had this. And I know that when we come to a crossroads in life and we have a difficult decision to make and, you know, we have two good options or we wonder if we should really take this or if something better is going to come along and, you know, all of those type of things, we, we wish that we had this kind of clear direction from the Lord. Uh, But nevertheless, God has given us sufficient revelation. That's what we really need to be reminded of. So the command is this, arise, uh, stop, you know, just dwelling there. It's time to get up. Uh, Go up to Bethel. Uh, Bethel is south from where he is, uh, about 16 miles from Shechem. Uh, Up in the scriptures often has to do with elevation, not direction, uh so we have this idea here, and then he tells him to dwell there, um, make an altar, set up a semi-permanent camp, uh, and then he reminds himself, uh or he reminds Jacob of what had happened all those years ago. Not only did he direct him out of Paden Aaron from Laban's land back to this area, but he said and reminds him to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So he's framing it according to his relationship with Esau and according to that time period and that particular event. Genesis 33 verse 18 tells us that after crossing into the promised land, Jacob came safely to the city of Shechem, which is still 16 miles north of Bethel. So remember that In Genesis 27, verse 43, Isaac had told him to flee to his father-in-law's house. And along the way, he had a vision from the Lord, which is recorded in Genesis 28. And in verse 19 of that chapter, after the vision where God had articulated his promises to Jacob, namely to bring him safely back to this place. And after which there was silence for 20 years, Jacob then called the name of that place Bethel, not to be confused with Bethlehem. All right. So he's directing him, giving him specific revelation in verse one. In verses two to four, when Jacob is confronted with revelation, uh, he he needs to make sure that he has a pure heart. And so, by implication, when we are confronted with revelation, i.e., the Scripture, the commands, the imperatives of Scripture, teaching, application, uh, we need to make sure that when we are striving to obey, that we have a pure heart. And so he commands his household here, as we just read a few moments ago, to put away the foreign gods that are among you and purify yourselves and change your garments. Okay, so context, this is coming off of 20 years of silence. And of course, the action here is to put away the foreign gods. That makes us think of Genesis 31, verse 34. Rachel had taken the household gods, put them in the camel's saddle and sat on them. Jacob didn't know it then. But he surely learned of it later, and he even tolerated it. I mean, the fact that he gives them this command indicates that he knows that they are present. And the application for us is we shouldn't tolerate foreign gods. We shouldn't tolerate idolatry. Uh, Notice in verse four, the use of they versus she Uh, We look at that verse again. So they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods that they had and the rings that were in their ears. Uh, This isn't just Rachel. It has obviously spread throughout his household. Uh, Who is the they? Is it just the females? Is it some of his sons? Uh, It seems that there's rampant idolatry here. And it should not be allowed. And so they are cleansing themselves. Jacob knew it was wrong. And now that they were going to worship, they needed to be right with the Lord. Okay. Now, why does he say this? Why hadn't he said it before? Well, the reason is we're going to Bethel so that I may make there an altar to God who answers me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. And he's beginning to recognize uh, the importance and the longevity, the reality of God's presence over the years. And so he rightly states that, that's good. And it also causes us to realize this, that real worship requires action. So they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods that they had and the rings that were in their ears. Uh, It's it's not just talk, it's do, right? And so they they do this and, and that's good. Um one comment that I would make under this is that Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree that was near Shechem. And the idea here is to bury them in the ground. I personally struggle with that because that's not quite uh the full destruction of them. If these gods were made out of say stone, then they should have been crushed. If they were carved from wood, then burned. If they're made out of precious metals, then they could have been melted down and, you know, just kept as a block or something like that. But the fact that they are kept that way and just put in the ground leaves the possibility uh, open for later. And that's that's not necessarily a good thing. Now, in verses 5 to 7, this last part, uh, this is interesting here. Uh, we, we read this, that during their journey, God protected them. And so we, we learned this, that God may sometimes supernaturally protect his people. And so we read that uh, this terror from God falls upon the cities that were around them so they did did not pursue the sons of Jacob. Uh, Now, this is also given more context because of the preceding chapter. Why is it that the nations around them and the people around them, the cities, might want to come after Jacob? Well, he had made himself... (laughs) Uh, and his family, a stench uh, from all of those people, as we read in chapter 34. And so God is supernaturally protecting them. God may protect his own for his divine purposes in spite of our sin. It's a dangerous game to play to try and, you know, say and, and leverage God's sovereignty in this area and, and say that you somehow deserve to live. God may... Uh, protect you in spite of your foolish actions, because he has a greater plan. But sometimes God's plan for you uh, may be for you to go to glory at that point. Uh, In the case of Jacob, because of all that he had promised his forefathers, he gives him that divine protection. In in other words, it's better to play it for us, okay? (laughs) For us, it's better to play that safe uh, than, than to try and gamble With the protection of the Lord and say, Well, God must have a better plan for me. Uh, We don't want to be walking in sin. We don't want to presume upon the grace of God. We do not want to presume upon his protection. Uh, And in this case, from a human standpoint, Jacob and his family certainly uh, were at a great risk here. And had God not stepped in, they most likely would have been attacked. Uh, and this obviously, they have nothing to do with the reaction of the cities that are around them. This comes from the Lord himself, a terror from God fell upon the cities, uh, so and it looks like so that or resultative here that they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. That seems to indicate that they were preparing to do that. The very thing that Jacob had warned of because of Simeon and Levi's actions in the preceding chapter, the brothers of Dinah, um, it looks like they were picking up arms to attack. So that, that's pretty interesting. Um, Jacob came to Luz, still using that name, remember uh, back in... Chapter 28, when he has this encounter with God, this vision in the night, uh, he names it Bethel, and it says now the name of that place formerly was Luz. And so we're going back to that to bring it all full circle, and we see that again here he comes to Luz, that is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan, he and all the people who are with him, and then he does what God had asked him, commanded him to do which is, he said, go there, arise, dwell. And we don't have him building his tents or anything like that, but he does build the altar because God told him to do that. And he calls the name of that place El Bethel. Now, interesting, uh, Bethel itself means house of God, but the El prefix there is also God. So it's the God of Bethel, the God of the house of God. Uh, really is one way that we could think of it. So now it it takes on even more uh, of that significance. And, And then he gives us the reason, which goes back to Genesis 28 that we just mentioned, because God had revealed himself to him when he fled from his brother. And it's not just 28, but it's what God commanded him to do back in verse one. He said, when you fled from your brother Esau. So he's tying it all in. There's a full circle. It's a neat little section there that's all we have time for today. We'll end it there and we'll pick it up in verse 8 in our next episode. This has been another podcast of Expositional Excerpts with Pastor Matthew Pilch. If you'd like more information, please visit our church website at gfbc.net.